welcome to Inklings. I am Emily Bell Freeman, and I'm so excited to welcome you to a space where you and I get to experience a hint of something more together. This is a community where we lean into discussions that will help us obtain a bedrock understanding of the doctrines of Christ. Not overnight, but every day better. Strength gathered over time. There is a place for you here. Looking forward to spending the semester with you as we embark on a journey focused on becoming His. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome to Inklings. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. And we had such a good night last night. Um, let me get our good back to visit us. Okay, now I've invited her. And then let me be telling you where we're going to be today. Hello. Good morning. Good. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yep, I can hear you perfect. Can you hear me fine? Perfect. It was a spotty for a second. So I panicked, but I'm good. Good. Yep. I can hear you. And I'm just going to tell everyone where we are. We're going to be in First Nephi 17 for part of the time. And then we're also going to be in Elder Zabala's talk. Is that how you say it? Do you know, Tana? Well, I looked it up and he's from, he was born in Chile. So I was like, oh, it must be Zabalos or something more Latin like Zabalos. I could be wrong. I could be slaughtering it. (laughs) That's better. That sounds so good. I'm just pulling mine up right now. And we loved this talk. And we're going to have so many fun things to... um, talk about with this we saw each other yesterday and we were just talking about how much we loved this talk so it's going to be so good um and i thought it would be fun tana oh this is tana everyone tana you should introduce yourself to us um for those who maybe haven't met you before oh okay well there's not too much to tell i um am a mom and i live here in in salt lake city utah and i have four girls and i love the scripture so much. I actually run a Instagram account called Live Right Nutrition, which is the one I'm on, but I'm not very good at it. I I don't know how to make it very pretty, but I just feel like Heavenly Father keeps wanting me to do it and just to try to share this love of how beautiful and a creation your body really is. So that's one thing I'm really passionate about is health and nutrition. And I really love the scriptures and the temple and Jesus. So I'm just so happy to be here. Oh, that's so good. Um, and Tana lives in Utah, um, and you have all girls, all four girls, feels like 13 girls some days, everywhere I look, there's girls or bows or clothes on the floor, but I love it. (laughs) It's fun. Um, okay. So I thought what we might do is jump right into the talk first, and then we'll end in the scriptures. And one of the things that we loved about this talk was this idea of planning, of building a plan. So we're kind of going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And um, maybe we'll just dive in with that. And then we'll move into the scriptures from there. Great. You want your favorite part of this talk? This is uh, building a life resistant to the adversary is what we're going to be talking. And what was your favorite? Well, right. Do you want me to start right off the bat with my very favorite? Yeah. There were yeah. so many there, there. I mean, I, when you get a chance to really study every single week like this, a talk, it's hard to pick a favorite, but I think if I'm being totally like right at the core, gosh, there's so many things. Well, and we'll probably get to some of these too, but I think the thing that I loved so much was just this thought of a plan. And this is kind of what I was talking to you about yesterday because plans really are what and patterns are what how God created the earth and the universe and the plan of happiness and this plan of salvation it sometimes seems scary but when you think about it it is the only way it if there was no plan it would just be pure chaos so I kind of love that he focuses in and that his background is this civil engineering degree and he talks about how important it is to really follow a plan and so I think 
and and I and adapted just what I said. I work with plans every day. I work with nutrition plans every day in my home with the four crazy girls. We have to have a plan schedule. Plans are what make the world and myself thrive. Yes. If there's a plan, you don't have to fear. There's no need to worry about what's going to happen or what do I do with this. You can have plans and you can have different branches of that plan. But I think that's the thing that I loved the most was just that he said, let's follow this plan. And then my brain started to go in all these places. Is this where you want? Should I kind of share one of those thoughts yeah. I had with you yesterday? Yeah. So I kept thinking about, okay, where's like, we study about this plan of salvation. You know, we've learned about it since we were little. If we've gone to church since we were little, but the place that I know the prophet wants us to learn so much is at the temple because he tells us to get on this covenant path or this covenant journey, if we will, and get to the temple and we get to the sacrament and do all those things. But I thought the temple is really where we're supposed to learn so much more about this plan. And as I th sat there, I, I told you this yesterday, but I had my temple recommend renewed the very end of October, like the very last day, I couldn't let it expire. So I went in and my, the, one of the, counselors in the state presidency said to me as I was leaving, he said, Hey, did you know that all these temple ordinances are now in the handbook? And I, I like, was like, wait, what? Isn't this supposed to be a little bit more private? I mean, it just caught me by surprise. So of course I get in my car, right? Hadn't even driven home, start looking it up. And sure enough, there it is. All five of these laws that we learned about in the temple and it lays out this plan. And so last time I was there and I was kind of knowing you know, what we we're going to talk about and thinking about these plans that we have in our life and the plan that we have in our life. I realized that in the temple, it lays out for us step by step the plan. Mm. And, you know, and I don't, I sent it to you last night and I don't know if it's something that we want to go over, but those, those five laws in the temple are the perfect plan. And they start out with obedience. And I feel like I almost shouldn't talk about it because I have never talked about it this openly but I'm so grateful for the chance that we get to now. Um, but there was number one is obedience. It's just the first law that we, that we dive into. And then after that, this is the order. So obedience, sacrifice, the gospel of Jesus Christ, chastity, and then consecration. And so as I thought about that order of those five steps, I thought what a perfectly placed concept that really is. Cause each step is part of the plan and it almost steps you up because as he talks about one of the things Zavalo says, um, is that, you know, we have to, first of all, understand that this plan is really the key to getting something to work the way you want it to. And you have to follow the plans. And there's lots of components to the plans. Like he even goes in and talks about how there's different specifications around the dimensions, foundations, concrete slabs, structural elements. So there are different components. And so as I thought about those different components, what they are spiritually, it mm -hmm. is to me, these different components of the temple plan that we have so obedience then leads to sacrifice and sometimes i thought about this with one of my little girls in particular she's really good well, at least when she was little she was so obedient it was like okay greta time to go to bed okay mom and she would just skip upstairs but as she's gotten older and she see that some of her older sisters don't have to go to bed as early as she does she sees that like to actually be obedient to me it requires a little bit more sacrifice because yeah. some of her sisters get to stay up and do their homework or finish a project. And she's like, well, why do they get to stay up? Or even who knows what they're doing, working on something else. And so it requires for her to be obedient to that rule to go to bed. It requires some sacrifice on missing out what's going on downstairs, but she continues to do so. And I realized that sometimes obedience is not that hard until it requires sacrifice. So you can be obedient in a concept or part of the plan. And then when it becomes hard, you're like, ah, just kidding. I don't think I maybe really want to do this plan anymore. I think I'll just skip out on this part. But then going down these laws. It's interesting to just think when we were talking about it yesterday, I've been thinking about it since then. Yeah. That there are some things it's really easy to be obedient to. Mm -hmm. um, all of us probably have those things that you're like, oh, no, that one's not hard for right. me. But all of us will have something that is harder for us that we're like, that's the one that I actually have to sacrifice something to live it. And it's so interesting to me that that one is different for all of us. Everybody. Yeah. What, what the thing is that is a harder thing for you. And, um, and it requires submission from uh, start learning that 
submission has to also be part of the plan. When you start thinking about obedience and sacrifice, there is that learning to lean in and submit, even when we're like, I don't think we need to do it this way. But it's so interesting that we don't choose that. He chose what obedience looks like. like. Well, and I love that because he gets a little bit more specific the further you go down the plan, right? The longer you sit in the temple, those details stick out a little bit more. So you have more guidance, even though it's a little bit harder, which I love because then that third law is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That sacrifice, that hard part, brings you to him where you can really understand more of what Jesus Christ offers when it comes into the faith and repentance and baptism and the Holy Ghost. That's just a beautiful part of like, okay, well, now this is really worth it to sacrifice because then you get Jesus Christ. And then keep thinking on, you know, down those laws of the temple. Next is the law of chastity. But as I thought about more about that one and how that relates so specifically to the plan, this is what I was trying to explain yesterday. So help me out if you have better insight than what I do, because they're just you know, little in my, my incomplete and imperfect brain. But I started to realize that relationship, that covenant relationship we make with our spouse in the temple and that highest ceiling ordinance that we, you can do there is the exact symbolism of what our relationship with Christ is. And so to not commit adultery, if you will, is really just to not also cheat on Christ, right? To not turn your heart from him. And this, you know, year in the old Testament, we've learned that so beautifully from you know, is Amos or no, Hosea yeah. and Gomer and just yeah. like, I'm such a Gomer. I, I turned away. I didn't mean to, but that we know we have that covenant relationship that is so important. And then that final step of the plan, which is consecration, literally does become so beautiful and so loving in this relationship that you don't even really think it's a sacrifice anymore to give all of your time and talents and everything that you've been given right back to Christ because that's all you want to do anymore and so I love that it's almost like obedience and sacrifice just fall so far away that you forget that you're being obedient and sacrificing because you love Jesus something yeah exactly you Um, become this I love someone's writing this in the comments too that chastity is loyalty Oh, and that's so good. Replace that word in the temple when I'm listening to that oh. part. It really is teaching you what a loyal relationship looks like, that you're not going to look somewhere else. You're not going to go somewhere else um, for the things that we seek, that we're just going to always go back to him. Looks like. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful concept. Somebody's writing that the actual, the number three is the higher law of the gospel. Dr. Anthony Sweat wrote two books about it on the temple. And yes, it's that embracing more than just trying to understand to love others and some of those basic commandments. And so thanks for pointing that out. That's such a true concept that it is a higher way and a holier way of becoming Christ. Um, I think it's interesting too, when you look at how we are taught you see it with the beatitudes you see it in the temple um that there's he starts it's like this progression we're going through this constantly progressing right every day better that is plan works which i actually love because i think it's so important to realize he's just working with us he's working on helping us um get it right And even in the temple, but also with the Beatitudes, that you just see him kind of leading us up this higher, holier way. And Mm -hmm. we keep practicing it over and over. And I had another thought. I don't know if you want more you want to say on that. Um, So stop me again at any time. But I just was thinking about this living a higher and holier way. And as it gets maybe a little bit harder, we do get more details. But I went, I had the chance to go um, with Julie to that book club at Desert Book where Steve Young came and yeah. talked about, I don't know if, I think he might've been out of town, but he explained a concept to me that was really profound. And, and one of the things he talked about was because he's a quarterback, he has a lot of friends, obviously, that are other quarterbacks. And sometimes some of his good friends, these close friendships, he opposes on the team. And so they're opponents. And someone asked him if that was hard. <clears throat> and he said, actually, you can hold friendship and competition in the same hand 
because it's a sacred learning experience. And that concept has really like just been in my mind a lot because as I was thinking about this talk and about progressing along the plan and becoming resistant to the adversary, you really still can hold these trials and the adversary and the temptations in one hand and the plan of happiness, which seems opposing to these trials and hard times yeah. in the same hand, because it's a sacred learning experience. Mm. And so as I thought about following the plan, there's going to be hard things. He talks about how there's going to be cracks. He talks about how, you know, you can't actually ever become um, anti-seismic. He's like, it's, first of all, I have to explain, it's completely contrary to the laws of nature. Like an earthquake's going to happen. And I was like, we're for sure going to have temptations. Yes. That, I did that same thing where I was like, wait a minute, I want anti-seismic. <laughs> I was like, don't, don't say that. I like that false sense of security, you know? <laughs> yeah. Interesting when he was like, you actually cannot prevent an earthquake. And I was like, that's so interesting. I've never oh. thought of that before, that you can't prevent the earthquake from happening. But you can try and make your life resistant to whatever that earthquake mm -hmm. might look like in your life. And you can prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare. And that preparation, that plan can take away the fear because it is, I'm like, oh shoot, we don't, we can't like do anything to get us to be completely anti-Satan. Cause if we could, wouldn't we all run like anti-Satan over here and over here, thank you. Anti-Satan, please, that's all we want. But since yeah. it's impossible, we have to learn how to prepare and do that. And I just love that concept of the plan, but you can still hold both of those. It's a learning experience as you're preparing at the same time. And I just felt like that was such a good concept. And I love this too. He says, we can have the tranquility of knowing that the Lord will never permit us to be tempted beyond what we can resist. Yeah. Which also shows that, all right, it is going to be a learning experience because we will have the temptations. Darn it. We don't want them. But we'll be able to consecrate those experiences and give them back to the Lord so that we're closer to him. And yeah. that's kind of where those temple laws really hit me. And, you know, again, there's so many other things that people could probably teach us in this discussion about that. But yeah. it was a new concept to me that I really was drawn to. Yes, I loved that part. Um, I'm trying to find the part too that I loved about happiness. Do you remember that part? Oh, yes. I totally know that part because he talked about, he said, um, it, well, was it when he was talking about when Nephi and Nephi, when he said, even though in many of his, uh, let's see, I having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord all my days, realizing that he, we can be happy. There's that part, <clears throat> but then maybe he, it says, is at the bottom where he says, um, and now verily I say unto you, what I say unto one, I say unto all be of good cheer, little children, for I am in your midst and I have not forsaken you and he will never abandon us. Is that the happy thought you're thinking of? No. There's one other one, and I'm just trying to look, and I, I'm not seeing it, but it will come to me. But all of those together, I'm so intrigued by that. In fact, I've been thinking about that a lot this week because um, we hard things are going to come. Mm -hmm. That just is true. And it is true that um, first, or first Nephi 17 starts out that same way, that like there is going to be affliction in a life. And I, I was thinking about it. I had the opportunity to be in Disneyland for the last two days, which is so fun. I love it. Just kind of set aside all of the hard things for two days, which was awesome. And as I was walking through there, and you know, it's the happiest place. <laughs> place on earth. Yes. <laughs> and as I was walking through there, I was like, I just want a life of Disneyland days. Do you ever have that thought? <laughs> Like I love, especially when they put the holiday overlay on and there's Christmas decorations everywhere. Yes. It's warm and cozy and it is happy. Yeah. It's just so happy. <laughs> and you can just kind of set aside everything for a second and just be like, this is such a happy place, you know? Um, but then immediately as I was thinking that when I was like, Heavenly Father, can I please just have the Disneyland? Life? That is why. <laughs> and, um, immediately the spirit was like, you wouldn't learn anything. You wouldn't have learned anything. If everything went smoothly, mm -hmm. you 
know your capacity um, and what you're capable of. And it's so interesting to think um, about that, um, that like balance of um, the hard and the heavy things and the happy things mm-hmm. will be our life. And I think, I think we need to remember that, that all of us are going to be walking this path of hard, um, really hard things, but there will be Disneyland days along the way. And I love that Nephi points that out too, where he's like, um, even in the midst of our wilderness, God gave us happiness in the midst of that and learning how to find that happy in the hard things and to be of good cheer. And that part of it is creating that plan. Well, when you said that he will allow us to be happy, he also says we will be successful in constructing this resistant to sin, resistant to temptation. So, of course, happiness is the key part, but there's also going to, you're going to do it. You're going to accomplish it because it is part of the plan to actually, I mean, they call it the plan of happiness, the plan of Yeah, and I found the quote that he said, it talked about finely designed plans that teach us clearly how to construct a happy life. And I'm so intrigued by that quote. Like, what does it actually look like to construct a happy life? What does Mm -hmm. that look like for all of us? (laughs) It says right in there, there's going to be, with that quote, there's going to be technical specifications. Yes. So what are those? Yeah, I love that question. Yeah. So I love that thought that in the midst of this plan that we're creating, we're actually supposed to plan happy in. Like the intent is that we would have a happy life. Mm-hmm. Thought of that. Yes, I love that as well. And and I think that it says this plan will teach us how to do that. So again, I think sometimes that's where that obedience and sacrifice comes in. Sometimes you just kind of, even if you don't understand these technical specifications or this recipe for happiness, you just start down this path of obedience first. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'll have the hope, I'll have the faith, let's take the step. And then you see that you come up against a little bit of a sacrifice. Well, I'm gonna still keep going. Yeah, I'm gonna still keep going because I really want this happiness. And then it leads to some of those higher ways, but with the higher law comes this, this happiness. Um, one of the things I think, I mean, I don't know if there's more, I want, I had this other thought talking about happiness because um, I loved how he shared, there was the two things that you can do to prepare yourself spiritually for this happiness, for this resistance yes. sin. Um, and the two things that he said were to fast and to memorize scriptures. And I instantly thought of a couple things. Um, the first one, of course, this was just fascinating because of my, my line of work. But he talks about how when, when Christ fasted to resist, um, you know, Satan's temptations for 40 days, 40 nights, we obviously would never do that. But he says how, you know, we are asked to rather fast for 24 hours or at once a month. And this fasting brings us spiritual strength and prepares us to be resistant to the trials of life. And that concept, I've known this before, but it, it strengthened me in a new way because from the point of, of a body, of our physical bodies also needing to be fortified, there's something about fasting that the church, you know, and that I believe knows and why God put this in the plan is because when you're fasting, you're hungry and your body almost feels like it goes into a little bit physically of this panic mode. And so, you know, you kind of get headaches and you get hot and you're like, okay, I'm really hungry. What's going to happen? When am I going to eat next? Well, your body is like, yeah, I, when's she going to feed me next? I'm starving. What am I going to do? there's this thing and it's called autophagy. And I don't even know if I say it right, but I know it's the concept and your body goes in and actually starts to kind of clean house. It starts Mm -hmm. to get away at some of these beginning diseases that are forming because your body's like, I've got to strengthen myself for as long as I can, since I'm not being fed, how can I clean up what's going on inside my body so I can last longer without this food? So it literally does start this disease prevention and fortifying, you know, Mm -hmm. component of your body physically when you fast, but I love that that's also there spiritually, which means it's a true concept because spiritually when you fast, your body becomes weak, but your spirit becomes so strong. So that law of fasting is really important to do that just once a month and let your body have a break and let your spirit take over. And I love that concept. 
I love that it's it's making you resistant mm -hmm. to illness, um, but also making you resistant um, in in that strengthening power that comes when we fast. Yes, I just thought that was so beautiful. And then um, the second part about that, how he says, you know, fasting and then reading your scriptures. And I love that he gives those examples of where he says, when Christ is tempted, he's like, well, he says, it is written this, and then it is written that is this, and it is written. So you know Christ knows the teachings. He has literally written those scriptures on his heart. And I immediately thought of one of my favorite talks that has been a strength and fortification to me for the last 10 years of my life. And you'll know this too, because um, Elder Scott is really special to you. He's one yeah. of your, that you taught us how to study. But there's, there's a conference talk that he gave in 2011, and it's called The Power of Scripture. But the reason why I love it so much is because he says they're packets of light. Yeah. Our mind. Isn't that the best visual? Yeah. Like, who doesn't want packets of light in your mind? And it even says they'll become like best friends. Mm -hmm. These scriptures become your best friends. And who doesn't want, when you're having a hard time in life, or you're feeling a trial or a temptation or something coming your way, don't you want your best friends around yeah. you? But how awesome if those are scriptures too, and you can literally um, be fortified and resist temptation when you understand and know that some of those scriptures, we talked about memorizing them. Um, he says they also, speaking on this physical part as well, he says they have, the, they have potent power to heal emotional challenges when there is faith in the Savior, and they can accelerate physical healing. So it's mm -hmm. just a really amazing connection both ways on how we can feel it physically on earth while we're here living in our bodies. But then spiritually, we can go out and use that as well to continue to grow. And I just think those are such two really valuable concepts that he teaches us very quickly, but they're so strong. Yeah, that's so good. And I love like when you think about that in a bigger picture, um, I love when he talked about those, they can become your best friends. <laughs> so good. Out in the early days of the church, when they were um, receiving all those commandments, I love knowing that people would go over to Joseph's house and write them down. On oh, yeah. <laughs> carry them in their pocket. And I love that idea, too, that it, it becomes something you can just carry in your pocket if you want to. And when you think about Jewish homes and even the Jewish faith, that they put scriptures up mm -hmm. on the doorways of their houses to remind everyone who lives in that house that God is protecting that house every time they walk in through the strength of his word and Words. they'll either wear them on their arms or on their foreheads as a reminder. Yeah, you've taught me that. Doing And I love the thought of the scriptures being that close to us all the time, like just being part of who we are and and what we're doing every single day um, well, and strengthening yeah I was gonna say I didn't mean to interrupt you but you know what just popped into my head was John 1 where he says yeah. I am the word yes and of course that is the word that and the iron rod is the word of God those are all parts of the plan that just to hang on to your scriptures into that that yes. word is so powerful just the scriptures themselves yeah, I'll never forget when Josh came home from his mission for the first three days he was home. He carried around this. Do you remember the paperback Book of Mormons? Um, yeah. Paperback Book of Mormon. And he had put his name tag on it. And like oh. three days, he carried that Book of Mormon oh. the same way I carry my phone around. Do you know how you do where you just... Oh, yeah. It's just part of you. You you just you check your pocket. You just know immediately if you don't have your phone. And he was the same with that Book of Mormon. And as he got home more days, he he did start leaving it around places. But I would notice that he would go pick it up and kind of hold on to it every so often. And then he finally moved to college, and the Book of Mormon did not go with him to college at home. And I picked it up one day, and the interesting thing is he had carried it for so long that same way that it, like, molded to your hand. Oh I, for, I just carried it around for a minute because I was like, I love that this is, like, was so much a part of him that he actually, it, like, mm -hmm. physically became a part of him. <laughs> and I still have it in my office upstairs. probably doesn't even know I have it because... I was like, I want my scriptures to be this much 
a part of me. Mm -hmm. They're just part of my identity and who I am. And I love, there is a strength that comes when we have, when scripture is a part of our life. Tana and I had the opportunity to be at a um, event at the Capitol yesterday in Utah, in the state of Utah, there is a group of people who are gathering together to um, create these teen centers in every high school in Utah that will be a place where kids who don't have enough money, who don't have clothes, who maybe didn't have somewhere to sleep the night before, um, who aren't eating, um, who, who get to school and no one helps them with their homework the night before, or they maybe don't have a pencil or paper because they can't um, afford to get it. Um, these centers where these kids are just going to be able to walk into if they need help um, with anything. Or even if the day is just going bad, it is like this safe haven. It's this refuge that they can just go to, um, to be in. And while we were there, one of the women who is helping out, who is a good friend of ours, everyone, it's Kristen Andrus. And she just stood up and said, what I see is it is the women in Utah who are going to make a difference in our high schools. It is the mothers who are going to make a difference in our high schools. And then she said this phrase that was so interesting. She said, this is what we have to get better at, lifting where we live, lifting where we love, and lifting where we learn. Mm -hmm. And I'm so fascinated by this idea of that that we can bring strength into places we can and as she was saying that these we need the women we need these mothers immediately my mind thought of our thursday morning group that i was like i have a group like that i have a group of women like that who are strong and capable of making a difference in their communities everywhere where we are. And I don't know why, but it just, I felt so much peace in that moment thinking of all of us and of the strength that we gather on Thursday mornings together uh, or whenever you listen to this, but how then we go back out into our communities and we make our community better because we are willing to dive deeper on Thursday mornings. And I really believe that is true about us, that part of what is making our communities more resistant to what is coming is the fact that we each take an hour every week to gather together and learn from each other in these moments. And then we can take it back into our communities and um, and build resistant strongholds for people to come and find that comfort and that safe haven and, you know, whatever they need. Um, I'm going to be talking more about what you can do in your communities. Um, it's everything is just launching this week. So it's people are just beginning to talk about it. But our cute friend Kristen knows we want to be involved in <laughs> this work. And so um, as soon as I have more information, I will be bringing that. But I just, I love that thought of building where we are and strengthening where we are and, um, and helping out. Um, Yeah. I love that talk from President Uchtdorf where he just talks about lift where you you can. can. I thought about all of us do that. All of the inklings women, what if we are lifting um, where we our own ward communities and in our neighborhoods and in our schools. Um, what if we were able to share the strength that we are gathering here and go out? And I love, um, I love the thought of that. Um, let's dive in for a minute into first Nephi 17, because yes. there are things that I love here that I want to talk about for a minute. And I'm going to start right at the beginning of first Nephi 17, because he's going to talk about, we were going to take our journey into the wilderness. And it's so interesting because he says, and we did travel and wade through much affliction 
in the wilderness. And then I love that he also writes, and our women did bear children in the wilderness. <laughs> he is like, we were living life in this really hard situation. And we were just living because we didn't know when it was going to end. And I love that verse number two starts out with this. And so great were the blessings of the Lord upon us. And that thought of balance that we were talking about earlier, that within the hard, there can be happy. And somehow Nephi had figured out how to navigate that as he was going through that. And, um, I love when he says this, and our women were strong. Mm -hmm. And I just love the thought of that they, those women were learning how to um, hold up in really harsh circumstances. They were figuring it out how to hold up and that God nourished them and strengthened them and provided means whereby they would be able to get through that really hard time. And then in verse four, it's so interesting because he says, and we did sojourn for the space of many years. Like they were there for a long time. And that word sojourn means temporary. It means no place to call home. Mm -hmm. They just were out in this place and they, they never got to like sleep in their own bed. Mm -hmm. They never Wrong got way walk in their front door. Um, they never knew like where they were going to end up. And so somehow they had to find the blessings in the midst of the unknown. That's what was happening for them. And um, in verse six, he says this, we had suffered many afflictions and much difficulty, yea, even so much that we cannot write them all. Um, is what was happening in their life. And sometimes you maybe feel like that, like that is what life looks like. It's just so much difficulty, right? Um, so many afflictions that, well, I can't even write down everything that's happening. Um, and then I love this one part where it talks about um, they showed up at the seashore and they called the place bountiful because of it's much fruit. And um, I love in verse seven that um, after we had been in the land of Bountiful for the space of many days. And one of the things I love about that part, I have that like so written in red. I love that God will provide a respite, that mm -hmm. he will provide rest, um, that he could see all of the afflictions and all of the difficulties that were happening. And I love that he's like, do you guys just want to go to the beach for <laughs> many days? You okay. just like to breathe for a minute. Let me give you rest. And I think it's okay in the midst of our difficult things, in the midst of our affliction, to pray to the Lord for respite, to say, I need a Disneyland day, right? Mm -hmm. I I need a minute to just breathe and to rest. Um, I've noticed in my life that Sunday will become that if I allow it to become. Mm -hmm. um, That's the that, to allow that, it. Yeah, that moment of rest in the midst of all of that difficulty. And then eventually the Lord is like, okay, you have to enter in again. Like, I'm not finished with you yet. So I need you to enter back in and he told him go up to the mountain and I love that he had no idea why he was going up the mountain but he was like <laughs> okay, okay. and when he after it tells us he cried unto the Lord it's interesting that Nephi doesn't go up there and say um okay here's what I need here's what's next on my list I think I'm going to build a boat and I <laughs> that off over this way and like it it's not nephi's agenda that right. calls the top of the mountain it's god's agenda that calls nephi up to the top of the mountain and do you ever think to yourself am i am i listening for the call to the top of the mountain like am i letting god lead mm -hmm. um I, 
letting him make me uncomfortable and push me to the better thing. And so um, he goes up and finally, after he cries to the Lord, I'm sure he got up there and he's like, what, what do you need me for? And I also wonder if there was part of him that was like, I actually don't want to talk to you right now because I'm content where I, <laughs> I really have, like sure. have peace. You know, we, we have so much fruit. We're sitting on the beach every day. Like, don't make me leave this, you know? And do we ever get to that part where we're so comfortable that we're like, don't take away my nets, Lord. This is my best professional date, you know? Don't take <laughs> nets away right now. And like, we read it and we're like, no, 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 build the boat. Because what's coming? You got to get out. <laughs> yeah. But for Nephi, I wonder if part of that at the end of verse seven, when he's like, and I cried unto the Lord, if part of it was like, I don't want to start again. Yeah. I want to stay where we are. Things are good right here. It's so uncomfortable, the future. Yeah. The future feels uncomfortable. And, and he says to Nephi, you're going to build a ship after the manner, which I will show you. And I will carry your people across these waters. And it's really interesting if you read from seven through 15, mm -hmm. I'm gonna show my, um, my scriptures right here. Can you see that some of the eyes are in yellow and yeah. some eyes are in red? red. So it's really interesting to look at what the red eyes are what Nephi is supposed to do and the yellow eyes are what God. Mm -hmm. Word promises he will do. And I love going through and seeing that balance of like what Nephi would have to bring to the table and what the Lord would bring to the table in that moment. And um, Nephi's asking questions like, where would I find ore? And where will I get the tools that I need to molten? And um, how will I make the tools and how he's going to have to make this fire. And like, I love that this is Nephi at the top of the mountain. I've never <laughs> before. Like I own tools. Right. So is this a good idea? Like you <laughs> if that is what's happening. So scary. Yes. It's so scary because he's like, not only do I have to build a boat, I first have to actually build the tools yeah. That would be capable oh. of creating a the boat. boat. Yeah. And I'm so interested in what that looked like. Um, and I love that he, that Nephi is building the tools, making the fire, um, you know, doing all this, building the boat. Yeah. But the Lord is saying, I will be your light in the wilderness and I will prepare the way before you and you will know that I the Lord am God and that I the Lord did deliver you from destruction that I brought you out of Jerusalem and in 15 so I Nephi did strive to keep the commandments of the Lord and I did exhort my brethren to faithfulness and I just love this back and forth mm -hmm. um, what what part is God's and what part is Nephi's that mm -hmm. he balances. And then it's so interesting that, so he has this powerful moment. All of a sudden he's going to be the shipbuilder. God has talked to him. He knows what he's going to do. Everything is working. And then in verse 19, it says, and now it came to pass that I, Nephi was exceedingly sorrowful because of the hardness of their hearts. And, and they began to rejoice when they saw how sad I was. And they said this, we knew that you could not construct a ship for we knew that you were lacking in judgment. Wherefore you cannot accomplish so great a work. Yeah. And I to myself this, how many times do people question what your choices are? Especially when you're like embarking on something that maybe feels bigger than you. And sometimes like constructing a happy life mm -hmm. feels bigger than you. A hundred percent it does. <laughs> Where you're like, I don't know what to do. And, and I actually don't even know if I have the tools for 
constructing this happy life and also to be able to look so far ahead, right? Nephi had to trust that what God had in mind was actually better than the place that where was. Mm -hmm. that's so hard. So sometimes. hard. Yeah. To think that. Um, and I love when Laman and Lemuel say these many years we have suffered in the wilderness, which time we might have enjoyed our possessions and the land, our inheritance, and we might have been happy. And I love, I have written next to that second Kings 25. Cause do you remember guys when we were learning um, in the old Testament, second Kings 25 is when it describes all of the destruction of uh, Jerusalem. And you just so bad want to be like, I just wish Nephi could have opened their eyes and been like, yeah, that word might actually has a lot of power because you think you might have been happy. And yet reality is there is no more Jerusalem right now. It's, it's not even there. Like this place where we are as hard as it is, is mm -hmm. place where we could where have we, been. Well, and I, I keep thinking too, as you were going back, I'm going back into first Nephi 17 verse seven, when you had just talked about and explained that so beautifully, but right there when he says the voice of the Lord came and said, arise and get thee into the mountain. And I yeah. think, oh my gosh, it's that stand up, just arise. Yeah. And then we know that you taught me this, that the mountains are also just symbols. They didn't have temples. So the yeah. mountains are the symbols of the temples. And so it's for us in our modern day, it's just lift, just stand up yes. and go to the temple. Arise and get into the mountain, is, get thee into the mountain. And I just think that is a, a concept that we can take this exact story yeah. and apply it right now to us. And obviously we're not building ships, but we're trying to build this plan of happiness. And those those reminders from the prophet to daily repent and to stay on this covenant path and this covenant journey really is the, the key. It is the plan and inside the temple, the plan is there and it's like, okay, but I don't see it all. And actually I don't even understand it all. What does this even mean? And why is, what are they doing over there? And how did this relate? And it's just that, that taking away the routine of it and putting it into the relationship. And you've also taught me that so well that God doesn't care so much about how, perfectly you execute your plan it's going to be messy i'm sure can you imagine nephi making those tools like how much like wasted stone or the fires yeah. that, i mean it's not like going to be this beautiful perfect process but as you think about the boat was made the boat carried people so beautifully and so well that it's not about in execution of the plan and how you actually come to doing it but that it will be done and so as we don't understand sometimes some of these things that we're supposed to learn or even do or why this is so hard he cares more about finding him in those moments so that we can reach the plan and you always say it's not about the rules it's about the relationship yeah. and that's why the rules and the plan is there is so you can have the relationship and understand why the plan's even there so you can just get back to him in the first place that's the purpose of the plan is yeah. to become with god and be like yeah. him and i yeah. think when you look at it from a from a broad perspective, you take the plan of salvation as a whole and keep giving ourselves that eternal perspective. Remember when the prophet said, we're so myopic? It's yes. because we just focus in on, dang, I don't know how to make the tool. Oh, well, I guess I can't make this boat. I can't create this happiness. But taking a step back when that happens, at least for me, when I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I don't really know what to do, I don't understand how this is happening or what I should do in this situation. If I can just take a step back and remind myself there is a plan. Yes. This is part of the plan. Then that hard moment doesn't seem so hard. And I take it back to this sacred learning experience of the hard and the happy together. Yeah. And I yeah. love, it's just so, you've explained it so beautifully in the scriptures. Just arise, yeah. get the end yeah. of the mountain, where yeah. we can go. And cry unto the Lord. He's going to tell you what to do next. And I love that in that moment when the brothers wanted to say, here's where you're lacking. Yeah. Like, oh, me. I love that he does the thing we read about in the talk, the elder Scott. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. He, he turns to the scriptures in verse 23. And that's where his courage and strength will come from. Oh, and it, he tells the story. 
talking about Moses. And he's yeah. like, you know, Moses was told to do that great work and how the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea. And you know how Moses smote the rock and water <laughs> came. Like, I love it. He's like, hold on. Let me pull the scriptures yeah. out of my, my scriptures that I just read. This is what I'm carrying with me today. Okay. I'm carrying this. You know that he's like, this is, you can say whatever you want, but I'm carrying what God, mm -hmm. what I'm God, the truth of what can happen. Um, it's my favorite phrase, but God, like oh. that true. I may not be a shipbuilder. I <laughs> have the tools, but God, right? He knows what to do. And I love in verse 51 when he says, and now if the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should, and then he says, build a ship. That's what mm -hmm. Nephi says. But I say this to myself all the time. And now if the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, then how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should, whatever that hard thing is. Fill in the blank. Yeah, fill in the blank. Um, if, if he could do this for everyone else, then surely he will know how to do this great thing in my life, you know, in my story. And um, I love the moment in 55 when they finally say, we know of a surety that the Lord is with you. And I love the thought of that, of just knowing that if we, we may not know anything else, especially when the sky is falling down around us, but we can know the Lord is with us. We can know that um, as we go through that. And um, I think it's important to keep that in mind as we're going through the journey and as we're trying to construct a happy life. It may not always be happy. You might have to deliver a baby in the wilderness. That's true. Oh. Um, and it might be eight years of intense difficulty and much affliction, so much that you just get tired of even trying to tell people how hard it is. Yeah. But I love this thought. We know of a surety that the Lord is with you. Um, and, and there is no greater blessing than that. That's such a great blessing. When it's so cool, because he says in that, in that verse 53, he says that they may know that I am the Lord. So he'll yeah. be with you. Then we also get to know that he is God. And to yeah. know God is almost so hard to understand for me because I know people, I love people. They light my world up. I feel energy. I see Christ in people. And so sometimes when I think about knowing God, I get really excited because I realize how much I love people. But then I begin to think that I can't even probably comprehend what it would be like to really know him, like in, in, in the flesh, in the millennium. I can't wait for it to come again and for the, the second coming. And I think about how how amazing when they say that it's almost like it, you you have to understate it that they may know that i am the lord their god like what greater peace do you have than to know this all powerful all loving all knowing all, i mean everything yeah. you know him like sometimes yeah. it seems so cool to me like oh i get to know my mother-in-law she's so great i feel so lucky i know her or whoever it is or that i have this sister or whatever but then to think that you get to know god in those hard times and that he'll be with you it's one thing to just have someone support you and carry you but to actually build that relationship and know who they are it yeah. takes away some of that it takes away the memory, I guess, maybe of like why it was so hard. It almost takes it away. Like, okay, well, it was worth it. Yeah. Really, really but it was really, really, really worth it because look what I get to know and look what I get to have. But yeah. to know knowledge, the glory of God is intelligence. To know that and to know him is one of the greatest quests that I have in my life. That's so true. And it just makes me think of an experience I had and maybe we'll end with this. Um, many years ago when I was a Relief Society president, there was a woman in our ward who lost a baby at 18 months. And it was a baby who had a lot of physical need, so much that that is what she had done 
for the last 18 months was just caretake over this baby. And it was her life. It had become her life was the raising of this child. And then when he was gone, it was so devastating um, for her. And, and that pause afterward to realize like how much work it had been to take care of him. And I can remember sitting on the porch with her one afternoon, just shortly after he passed away. And um, I had said to her, would you ever want to do this journey again? And she said, no, never. And I said to her, would you ever give up the testimony of Jesus that you learned from this journey? And she paused for a long time and her eyes filled up with tears. And then she said, no, never. And so interesting to me that those two words had so much meaning and emotion behind them. And what if the purpose of the journey is simply to know Christ? Mm -hmm. What if everything else falls away at the end when it's all over, when it's all said and done? And uh, what if the entire journey was to know him? Um, and sometimes I think about that when things are really hard, when it feels like I'm failing in a lot of places or things are not working out mm -hmm. how I had envisioned the plan would go, then I will just stop and self-check. But do I know Jesus better now than I did before this happened? And if I can answer yes, then it was worth it. As hard as it was, it was worth it. So um, I think that's important to remember. And as you are trying to construct a happy life, if yours does not feel super happy right now, um, then maybe you just stop and consider your, your relationship with the Lord. And is it stronger in the midst of whatever wilderness you are facing than it was before you took the first step in um, is so Beautiful. important to know. So, so many good things here today. Um, people are asking about Thanksgiving. So if you are new around here, this is how Thanksgiving works. I will record, I will do a live that morning, but I do not anticipate for you to get on the live um, because you might be cooking Thanksgiving. <laughs> I will get on for a little bit because I know some of you watch it on Sunday. You watch it later during the week. Um, and so we took a vote a long time ago and everybody loved a Thanksgiving lesson. So I will get on. I will put something up. It will only be me. And you listen to it whenever you want. Do not feel like you need to be at Because if you are with family at that moment, do... Um, do your family things. That's what we want you to be doing. Um, let me actually check really quick on those grace workbooks. Um, we did the grace fireside last night, everyone, which was so fun. Uh, a really good discussion last night. And then, um, I, they are checking a desert book for a journal update. Um, she said the workbooks are in the warehouse now. So that is good. So fulfillment oh, sure. coming right away. So um, workbooks should be coming just so soon. And then um, I will see you next Thursday. Or if I don't see you, um, I'll be thinking of you next Thursday and you just get on whenever you can. Yeah, All right. So good, everybody. So uh, I'll check everyone. with Rio on the binders next week also. And um, I love that you're asking about my mom's 24 days of Christmas. I will also remind me next week to tell you about the 24 days of Christmas. That is so fun. Um, we'll do that next Thursday. Um, and then I'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks, Tana. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for joining me. This podcast is taken from our Thursday Inklings discussions, which happen live on Instagram at inklings.institute. If you loved being here, I'd love to invite you to go even deeper with me 
get reminders, and enjoy first access to all our events and gatherings by going to emilybellfreeman.com backslash inklings.